You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Great to be back. Steve and I just got back um, just under three weeks. We were out, out in South Africa and uh, with some of our West Side peeps were with us and they're all str- straggling back uh, into the States as well. And you'll hear from Dave in a few minutes. But um, West Side is not in a denomination, but we're also not independent. And so we partner with a team of men and women called New Covenant Ministries International. Steve and I happen to be on that team, and uh, so the purpose of us going down to South Africa was to have a team meeting, and this is a world team meeting of, um, there was 450 people from uh, 40 nations around the world, and uh, we got together, heard a new vision from Tyrant, and just um, got reports from what God is doing all over the world in dangerous places, and places that uh, are just being broken up to um, to hear the gospel and just a wonderful, wonderful time. These men and women that are on this team minister in churches all over the world. Steve and I mostly, when we go out, we're usually in somewhere in the United States or Canada. But uh, some of these guys, it's amazing um, the things that God is doing in and through them. And uh, just to hear, just to be enlarged and to hear the um, accents and the uh, languages and the diversity of the body of Christ. And when you go into another nation uh, and you're believers, that love is there. And it's the same all over the world. So wonderful, wonderful time. The first week was a team meeting. And the second week was our world equip. And there were 500 or 5,000 people from 40 nations around the world represented. And uh, it's such a wonderful time to worship together, worship our God and King and uh, hear the word and hear the reports of what God is doing. So um, to me, it was enlarging and stretching and reminded me again that we need to have a heart for the nations. Jesus said, go into all the world. And we don't just go into our spheres of influence and the places that God has us. And that is very, very important. But we also go as his Holy Spirit prompts us into other places, into other nations. Some will go short term, some will go long term. And uh, just a, a heart for what God is doing in other places. So we see um, that example in the New Testament often where Paul said, I long to be with you. And it's all about relationship. It's not just relationship here as we are in community and loving and caring for one another. And we need each other to build up each other and strengthen and, and equip and encourage one another. But it also happens translocally as when we go and we encourage other churches and they encourage us and uh, it's this wonderful thing that God has created called relationship and partnership around the world. So it's a wonderful time. Uh, we're going to do another. There's lots and lots of equips all over the world that you can be part of. You can be involved in. Um, but they're going to do another world equip where people are coming from all the nations again in 2020. So you have five years to prepare, to save and get ready. Now, if some of you are saying right now, I don't have the time. And I don't have the money to do that, um, but God has put nations on my heart. I want to give you a strategy. Go to the next Financial Peace University, and you will learn how to get your finances in order, and God will give you a strategy of how to go to the nations and get your passport. And if you still need convincing, talk to me afterward about the miracles 
that God did in our family so that we could take our children from the time they were little to the nations, and they have a heart for the nations to this day. So God bless you. Great to be back. And Dave? Yeah, Dave, come on up. Dave's going to share a little bit. But 2020, the World Equip, I text Tyra and I said the theme has to be vision. 2020, and it's in 2020. And so I said it has to be vision, looking forward. And uh, Carla Jacobin and I figured out that if you give up and save the money for one Frappuccino a week till 2020, that you'll be able to go to that equip. So sorry, Casey. And so, um, but that's, you know, that's at Pete's, not at Starbucks. So anyway, so, so Dave. It was a great time over there, but what I got out of this trip that's been a little bit different is what I'd have to label perspective. We were there from the U.S., but we were one of 42 nations that were there. We were in a building that was about the size of this property. Their sanctuary was literally about the size of this property that we're sitting on right now. The first night was a concert, and they had 6,000 people in there. And we got to go there and be part of that. We were a small part of that, but we were part of that. And when Tyron opened the session on Monday morning, he introduced the 42 nations that were there. And to hear some of the nations that were there and the groups that were there representing gave me the perspective, kind of that mountaintop when you're looking at the stars and you realize how small am I, but we're part of something that's huge. That's what I got out of it this time. I did meet one special person there that I've got a picture of here. This is Gladys, Mm -hmm. and she is from Botswana. But for the last five years, she's been praying for Mexico. Mm -hmm. Mexico's been on her heart. And if you've been around this church at all, you know that's what God's put on my heart, is to be praying for Mexico and to be working into Mexico. Jaime from Ensenada was the only representative from Mexico that was there, but he was amongst a group of 16 from Spanish-speaking countries, such as Colombia and Venezuela, that traveled all the way across the, the world to come there. And so Gladys came up and met me and asked what she could pray for for Mexico. Hmm. So I have a coin that I've been carrying for almost 10 years now, that I use when I feel it in my pocket to remember to pray for Mexico. And I pass that on to Gladys while we were there. And since then, she's emailed me a couple of times asking for specific things to pray for Mexico. Mm. So those are the kind of connections that you can make when you go. You guys need to go. If you don't have your passport, go out and get it now. If you don't have a savings set aside to go to the nation's do it now. God calls us to do it. It's an exciting thing, and you never know what you're going to get out of it because I get a lot more out of what I do than giving to others. It works both ways. It's just an amazing thing out there. So expand your horizons. There's stuff out there for you, to, people to connect with across the world. Thanks, Davey. It is great to be back. Um, when you're gone, it seems like you're gone for a year, and we miss our church family here. As I look around the room, there's old-time friends 
and uh, there are newbies here. And uh, I had a word in the first service uh, that I want to give to the newer people at Westside uh, Church today as well, and that is there is a place for you here. There's a place for you here. We need you. Uh, we desperately need you, and you need us. God has this pattern that we see in the New Testament to place believers in covenantal communities. And so working together with a single mission uh, to uh, magnify and lift up the name of Jesus, to uh, spread the kingdom in in our realm of influence. And so anyway, it's great to be back. Um, Joseph and Hannah, would you guys just stand up where you are? They're moving to, oh, Hannah stepped down. There she is. Uh, they're moving to Oregon this week, and we want to just pray for them. Could you extend your hand out to them? A wonderful couple, uh, just recently married, and Father, bless Joseph and Hannah. God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would give them traveling mercies. I pray that you would open doors for them. I pray that you'd give them a great home church that they can plug into and that their gifts can be used to further your kingdom. Father, I pray that you'd richly bless them and the girls, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We got, love you guys. Um, okay, we are in our series on authentic, and uh, it was good to uh, hear what was uh, going on on the plane uh, from London to San Francisco when we were over the Arctic Circle. I listened to uh, Joe preach on authentic believer knows the truth, and I listened to Mark preach on authentic believer remains faithful, and I listened to Tyler preach on an authentic believer is a child of God. And so great preaches. Thanks, guys, for continuing on in the ministry. And Logan did a couple weeks before that on authentic believer uh, knows how to tell great jokes. And so um, no, he didn't. You have to look it up because I forgot what it was. Uh, Terry and I are almost off jet lag. If you have, have you ever had jet lag? Some people who do shift work, uh, you know, the the like you look at uh, Craig and Deborah as Zara goes, I just, my heart goes out to them because I have to do that every couple months or so, but to change nine hours. Uh, so right now it's almost time to go to bed in Africa. So that's where our bodies are telling us to go. So um, we're going to continue this morning in First John chapter 3, verses 16 to 20. And, and I'm going to speak on authentic believer demonstrates love. Um, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, you know, actually let your walk uh, portray your talk. Not just words, but a demonstration of love. Father, I pray that you'd open up the scripture to our hearts and understanding. Your promise was that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. And we thank you for that. We depend upon you for it, God. Amen. John says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? It's a very poignant question, but John is using that as an illustration to illustrate his major point of, Dear children, let us not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we'll be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings. Aren't you glad that God is greater than your feelings? Aren't you glad that we don't have to go by our feelings? 
but we can go on the foundation and the fact that God is sovereign and he loves us. I think John put that little passage in there at the very end. Uh, Theologians have a little debate on it, but I think he put it in there because some people out there, some among us, have overactive consciences. You know, every time an appeal goes out, uh, people, we should read the word of God more. And you go, oh, I got to read the word of God more. And you're already, you know, you're doing the best you can and living through life and, and going through there. And some people just really like put this burden on themselves. Just for those people, John is saying, take a chill pill and take a step back and don't be so hard on yourself. Just listen and respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. So uh, let's unpack this real quick. Number one, Jesus gave up his life for us. Now, if you haven't heard anything else this morning, please remember this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'm telling you, he is awesome. Everything that we do is about Jesus. Everything we say, everything we demonstrate, every guy who blows leaves off our parking lot, every, every Sunday school teacher who comes in and loves on the kids, it's because of what Jesus has done for us. And if you're down in the dumps, I encourage you to look in the mirror every day and point to yourself and say, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. He came out of heaven. He lived here on this earth because he loves me. He died in my place so that I could have a place in his family for all of eternity. He's coming back for me. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. It's all about perspective, what Dave said. Keep eternity on your heart. Keep eternity on the horizon that we are pilgrims in this land. The struggles and the troubles that we have now are not going to last forever. We will be with him. We will be worshiping him. Whatever you can imagine heaven to be, it's better than that, the Bible says. I want to encourage you. This is the point. This is why we're here. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. And John says here that Jesus made the first move. He came to give his life for us. And number two, John tells us that our talk is cheap. Our actions speak much louder than our words. We can say a lot of things, but our actions demonstrate the truth, demonstrate God's love for us. All right? So, He says, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Don't just talk the talk. But number three, we demonstrate his love. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Isn't that a great three-minute sermon? That's the whole point of that passage right there. So I want to spend the rest of the time actually giving us some application for it. Um, About 1985 or so, I have a friend. His name is Russ Doty. He's been at this church uh, several times, quite a few times. And uh, he's on the NCMI team. He and his wife, Mary, just like Terry and I are on that team. 
And uh, he, uh, he had a friend who had a mission base down in Brazil. This was a YWAM mission base. YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission. It's the largest missions organization in the world right now. It's a little bit different model than we are, but they love Jesus, love His Word. And uh, our, our main emphasis in spreading the gospel is to plant New Testament churches in every town and village around the world. And, uh, but we um, started having a connection with this little base. And it was a young American couple, uh, Jim and Pam Steyer, who led this base, and they had some property outside of Belo Horizonte, Brazil. And uh, I think it was probably about 50, 60 acres that they had. It was on the way on the outskirts of the city, and they had some land cleared, and some of the land was a little bit jungly. And uh, they had about 25 students on this property. And what YWAM does is they bring students in for six months and train them and disciple them and then send them out for an outreach. And and uh, they might do it again and again, or they might do it once and go back home and impact their local church. Uh, but we felt a call of God for our church to partner with this base. And so uh, we took up a big offering at our missions conference. And we got about $40,000 to send down there. And we got about 30 people to go on that short-term missions trip the first year. And uh, Russ... Uh, uh, was get, getting ready to get this team. I think it was about $2,000 in those days to get, go on one of these trips. And they're not cheap. How many of you have been on a short-term mission trip somewhere to Mexico, anywhere around the world? Just ask one of these people. Ask them, was it cheap? No. And ask them, what it, was it worth it? And they'll tell you yes. And so um, another guy in the church, he was a home group leader, John, nice guy, loved God, but he was very business-minded. And he said, you know what? These 30 people, they could give their $2,000, and we could get $60,000, put it together with the $40,000. We could send $100,000. Just think what that would do. And Russ goes, no, 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 John, you don't get it. The kingdom is about partnership and relationship and connections. And so he goes, if you go on this trip, and when you get back, if you don't think it's worth it, I'll give you your money back. So John goes, okay. So he gets down there, of course, and uh, his heart is just ripped open and expanded, and he falls in love with the people down there. So what our team did down there for two weeks, we cleared a, a pad uh, about the same size as this building, 30 feet by 100 feet, and we dug big holes in the ground, and they were one meter square, and it was hard red clay. It wasn't sandy, it wasn't gravelly, there was no chance of collapsing, but some of these were one meter deep, some of these footings were two meters deep, and some of these, meter, uh, these footings were three meters deep. So on the corners and at strategic points down the side, they had the deep footings, and then all along the middle, they had the, the lesser ones, and so we had a crew, and the students at the base, we all worked, worked, worked for two weeks, and then filled them in with cement and rebar and poured a slab. So at the end of two weeks, all we had was a slab, 30 feet by 100 feet, and then we went home. Doesn't that sound spiritual? <laughs> we had so many cuts and scrapes and, you know, knuckles bleeding and, and this kind of stuff. But you know what happened? God knitted our hearts there, and we began, our church began a partnership with this base. We went there the next year. And we built the first floor. 
laid bricks and mortar and, you know, unskilled laborers. And boy, you don't send any uh, code supervisors down there. Uh, and then next year we went and built another floor. And the next year we went and built another floor. And the next year we went and did another foundation. And the next year we did another floor. So pretty soon we had two buildings, three-story buildings, as big as this building. Uh, we had a school building. We had a couple of houses for some of their leaders. Um, we went back there every year for about 11 or 12 years. And at the end of that time, that base could not only house 25 students, it now housed and trained 400 students every class. And during that time, Jim and Pam, this, this young American couple, they began to increase in their profile and their influence. So pretty soon they, they headed up all the YWAM in Brazil. And then pretty soon they headed up all the YWAM in uh, South America. And then pretty soon they were over all the third world nations. And then uh, not too long uh, later, when Lauren Cunningham stepped down as the president of YWAM, Jim uh, filled that position for about six or eight years as the president of all YWAM with thousands and thousands and thousands of students. So at the end of this time... We, we did a few little outreaches and street evangelisms and things like that, and we saw a few people saved when we went down there. But the biggest thing was the students themselves that were being trained who spoke Portuguese, who, who went throughout Brazil, and they went throughout the Portuguese-speaking nations of the world. Uh, there's a lot of Portuguese-speaking nations in Africa. There's Guinea-Bissau and San Tomé Principe and some other places. Uh, where they speak Portuguese. The reports coming back in from the students from this one base in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, was that about 10,000 salvations a month were taking place around the world. Now, our church in Southern California wasn't responsible for those 10,000 salvations a month. It was the kids from the bases that went out. But we had a part to play. We were not the master chess builder. A lot of times we get real big and fancy and we say, and we say we're, we're going to have a plan to evangelize the world. You know what? That's not our plan. That's God's plan. He's the master chess player. We're the pawns. We're the ones that have the step that, he, that the Holy Spirit gives us, steps and strategies. The steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered of the Lord, and we're going to follow him and obey him. But there was this huge partnership uh, that began to take place. And the results of that first time going were that God knit our hearts together. It's not too different from our church going down to Ensenada a couple times a year uh, with Cristo Vive. God has partnered us together with them. And now Jaime, who's the pastor of that church, is going to be in just a couple months, is going to be set in on the NCMI team himself. And he has connections with hundreds of churches in Mexico that we don't have, but we've had a partnership there. So we get to participate in the harvest that God is doing in and through us but he's the one that's controlling the strings, uh, so, so to speak. And so the application from today is increase. God is always about us growing. He doesn't want us to just talk about our faith. He wants us to live our faith. And it may cost us. Some of us may be at the edge of the precipice, like God has call, called us you know, to the very edge. And we've done everything we can in our own strength and our own ability. Now he's saying, okay, take one more step off the cliff, and you'll see that I will sustain you. I'll be the one that guides you and holds you up. That's a wonderful place to be, to be absolutely in the center of his will uh, for your life. And so God has always been about increase. And if you don't have that theology in your arsenal, 
from the very beginning, God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and, and replenish the earth. Right in, in Genesis chapter 11, God said to Abraham, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Wow. God's always about increase. It says about Jesus in Isaiah that of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. It says in Luke that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and, and increased. And God is always telling us to grow. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, God began a good work in you. He's going to complete it. He's going to finish it. He'll bring it to uh, the proper conclusion in you until the day of Jesus Christ. God always expects his children to grow. Got a couple of little babies in, in, the, in the room right now. I see like four of them. And they're not, they're not bothering us. So, and they're so cute, but they don't do anything except, except poop and, and cry and teeth. Logan and Amanda were up all, all night because Aria was teething. And, and, uh, but you know what? After about 10 years, or even sooner, we expect them to start doing stuff, right? <laughs> Pick up your toys. Clean your room. Get a job, Mr. 28-year-old son. Mr. 45-year-old uh, son. Okay, you know, that's a classic in our culture right now. So... We expect people to grow and mature. When you come into the kingdom, when you say yes to Jesus, you don't know anything. You don't even know that John or Luke were books. You just thought they were streets in New York. And so you, you, you don't know anything, but there is this expectation that you start to grow and you start to move forward and you start to apply what God is teaching you. So God is always about that. He expects you to be a finisher he expects you to do that. And he's given you a couple of great things to help you. One, he's put you in a covenant community, a healthy body, to help you do that. God is always about uh, getting people together to work together, to lay down some of their individual preferences. Some of the families here this morning, they would love to have a two-in-the-afternoon service for Westside Church. But you lay down your personal preference, all right, so that we can come together corporately. You might... You know, you, you might prefer green chairs. You might prefer that we didn't put barn board on the back wall back there, but we painted it, you know, pink or something. And so we lay down our preferences so that we come together with this one purpose, with the spirit of unity, everybody pulling in the same direction. So one is he puts you in a covenant community so that you can accomplish what he's called you to do. Number two, he's given you gifts. The Bible says he gave you gifts uh, to equip you to do the works of service. And this is in, in Ephesians chapter 4. Right here it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. We call this, oftentimes we call this the fivefold ministry, the Ephesians 4 ministry. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church the body of Christ. Now, in the other version, it says to equip God's people to equip the saints for the works of service. Who is supposed to do the works of service? The saints. All of us are the saints. It's not the elders. It's not the pros. There's no clergy and laity in the New Testament at all. 
It's the saints are called to do the works of the service. Each one of you can go into a hospital and pray for the sick. Each one of you can witness to your neighbor and friends. It's not just the, the, the pros or the professionals. That's, that's not what it's about. The, the kingdom of God is about an army, the priesthood of all believers rising up and impacting their spheres of influence. And so he's given us gifts, and those are people gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And some people say, oh, those things, you know, that, that, that went out with the end of the New Testament. And here's what the Bible says. This will continue in verse 13 until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That hasn't happened yet. So that tells me here that this will continue until that does uh, take place. So Westside Church is very privileged to be uh, partnering with this team. Terry talked about it, a team of seasoned men and women of God with different giftings, apostolic gifting, um, prophetic gifting, evangelist, pastoring and teaching. And so, for example, uh, an Ephesians 4 evangelist is not just somebody who likes to see people get saved. That's the type of person that will come into this church and say they're here for a weekend or so, and they'll leave a deposit. When they leave, we all want to go out and tell our friends about Jesus. We've been equipped for works of service. Or like our friend uh, Kevin and Cindy Booth, they both have a uh, a very great gift in, in the prophetic, or, or Mike Hanchett. They come in here from time to time. When they leave, we want to hear the voice of God. We want to he- listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. We, there's the, this prophetic encouragement that rises up in us because they've left that deposit. And so uh, we are connected to a, a team, partnering with a team. It's not just relationship. That's friendship. I have a relationship with a lot of people. But partnering is a deeper level, and we're partnering with NCMI. And so here's, the, here's a little graphic we have in the back. Uh, New Covenant Ministries International, a translocal, that means apart from the local. Translocal means apart from the local. Ephesians 4 ministry team comprised of men and women who are able to help build into local churches, equip and release the believers for work of ministry and to disciple the nations. So this church is privileged to not just be stuck in the foothills of the Sierras, uh, but to be able to impact nations. Yeah. And so it's, it's awesome. Our website says New Covenant Ministries International is a team of translocal ministries who are committed to discipling the nations by planting churches in every country, city, town, and village in the world. As an integral part of this, members of the team will also bring complementary ministry into existing churches in order to bring maturity and to equip the saints to fulfill the ministry of the church. For example, in the New Testament, Paul went around and planted a bunch of churches. And that's the only pattern you'll see in the New Testament is churches were planted in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Smyrna and and Lystra and Philadelphia and Corinth and Ephesus and, and Philippi. All over the world, that's what you see is churches planted in every city. That's the strategy that God gave the church. And that still continues to be the strategy to this day. And so uh, Paul goes into Corinth, and they receive Jesus, and they grow like crazy. And then Paul goes on to work in other churches, and then he hears stories about Corinth. He hears that they have big sin in their church. Now, churches are full of sinners. That's not the problem. The church is not afraid of, of weakness, so to speak. We all sin. We all fail. and We're working toward maturity in him. But 
they allowed major sin to go unchallenged in their church. Big deal. So Paul writes a letter to them, the first, uh, first Corinthians. So he writes a letter to the church at Corinth. He says, don't let this sin be in your church. And then their newfound relationship with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, they were wild and out of control. So Paul brought some teaching and correction. And he said, yes, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Yes, we have tongues and interpretation and prophecy and miracles and healings and all these things. But we're going to give you some boundaries here and let things be done decently and in order. All right? So go read it. Go read 1 Corinthians. So Paul is severely rebuking them and teaching them and instructing them. But he didn't say, okay, if you don't do this, we're going to take you off our membership rolls. He didn't say, we're going to remove your building. He didn't say, we're going to take your pastor out and put another pastor that you don't know in. He didn't say that. He said, I appeal to you. That's all he had was friendship. That's all he had was this partnering and connection that they had. That's it. There was no signing on the dotted line. He said, I appeal to you in 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Isn't that awesome? I'm so glad that we, as a local church, we call ourselves a New Testament church, led by uh, a team of elders, uh, according to the pattern that we see in Scripture, autonomous, we're a local church, we have to do what God's called us to do, but at the same time, we're not just out there doing our own thing. We invite folks to come in and look at us from time to time. If you've been around here for a long time, you know that Tom Tapping has been in this church uh, about 12 or 13 times. And so every time he comes, he sees a snapshot. You, see, you know my son Brian, who has that kind of gifting on him. He's been in this church about 15 or 20 times. And every time they come, they see us grow. They see us maturing. They see things. They, they give a little input over here, a little bit. They, they bring instruction through. And, and, and all the NCMI team, we have this great privilege of partnering with them and then doing joint ventures together. So with that being said, I just want to give a bit of a report on this uh, World Equip. Uh, first, Terry said the first week we went to a team meeting. And at this team meeting, there was 29 nations represented on uh, the NCMI team. There's, there's over 200, well over 200 couples on the team living in 29 different nations. So we heard reports from Colombia and Brazil and Mexico and USA and Canada and Scotland and France where there's three brand new churches and Holland where there's seven brand new churches and Denmark and Germany, and the Czech Republic, and the, and the Ukraine. The, the guy giving the report on Ukraine said they just had a GTT, which is kind of a mini-equip for the local region. And like we went down to L.A. last year for a GTT. And uh, one pastor wanted to get to the GTT, and he lived on the other side of Ukraine, right now is in civil war. Civil war, big time. Cities being leveled, people being killed lined up and shot. He drove 16 hours through the war zone to get to the GTT. Would you do that to get to a meeting? Oh, I'm sorry. My kid's on the school Monopoly team and we have, a, we have to get out there and we have to, you know, we, we just, oh, we couldn't, we couldn't do that. 
around the world. In Nepal, uh, Purin, the pastor there, uh, they're, they're ministering up into 13 villages up in the foothills of the Himalayas. And if God's put that on you to go there, we'll arrange for you to get there. We have teams going up in there. There's 13 churches up there, and they've never been down into Kathmandu, which is the capital city. All they've never they've never heard the name of Jesus. There's one village up there where the pastor's dad became a Christian last year, and the village elders, or not the village elders, the the ruling whatever the village, which was Hindu, they broke his dad's legs because he became a Christian and told him to recant. That's what's happening around the world. It's so exciting. We heard um, we heard uh, reports from Poland, where Paul and Andrea are now. They're checking out some connections that we have in po- Poland because they were missionaries there. They speak Polish. I don't know if you knew that about Paul and Andrea. Uh, Turkey, in Iran, there's there's refugees from Syria in Iran now, and we're working in Iran under the radar. There's some names and the things, the, the guys on team, they don't want to be on Facebook. They don't want their name on the internet. They don't want anything because it's all under, under the radar. They're working with uh, refugees in Iran and, and from Syria right now. You know the mass of refugees going up. They, there's reports that almost one-third of all those Muslim refugees leaving that area have had dreams about Jesus. Uh, Russ Doty told me last year that one village uh, in northern Africa, the same night where, where one of our team was going, the same night the entire village had the same dream about Jesus and that God would send a white man to come and tell them about this Jesus. And the guy, our team came in the next day. So it's amazing. Um, we heard a report from Mongolia. Uh, Robin... Bridget Forbes uh, went there 20 years ago. Uh, he was just a deacon in a local church, and God put Mongolia on their heart. In that, in 20 years ago, they, they all they knew of was 20 believers in the entire country of Mongolia. And today, after 20 years, there's over 40,000 Christians in Mongolia. Um, Indonesia, blind eyes, healed, people walking out of wheelchairs. In Sumatra, in Java, Singapore, Malaysia. Malaysia, there's a corrupt president who's stealing the country blind, and the way he's diverting attention from himself is by pitting the Muslims against the Christians. So there's big infighting and people being tortured and killed. He's putting all that attention on them so that he can, you know, the attention's not on him. Pray for Malaysia. Taiwan, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, the New Zealand churches, you're going to see a picture in a minute of a guy giving the report on New Zealand. Uh, this year, this next year, they're planting churches in Tonga. Have you ever heard of Tonga? Tonga's an island nation with a king, and the king is a Christian. They're planting churches in the Cook Islands. They're planting churches in Samoa and in getting into Micronesia. And uh, churches in Nepal, talked about that. Uh, Church in in India. Uh, So here's some pictures. Here's our team at the World Equip. 
um, Paul and Andrea, three of their kids, Dave, and uh, Lindsay was there with her friend, uh, uh, Dan and Carla, Terry, myself. It was a great time to be there together. It's always nice to have friends when you travel around the world. You see a little bit of home there. Um, then we had a lot of reports around the nations. This is the report from New Zealand and the Pacific Islands. That's our friend Joseph. Um, we, Terry and I first met him in 2009, first time we went to New Zealand. Then Grant Crawford was here a couple years ago. Uh, he had a great message of enlargement. Uh, Caleb Booth, some of you guys know him from Rise Up. He was uh, leading worship there. Same with uh, Matt Doty. And um, then uh, Grant Crawford had a group, like a question and answer with some young people. Each one of those young people, their parents were in ministry, and he was asking them questions, what's it like when your parents grow up in ministry? Three of those kids were elders in a local church. Then Jody Romero talked. He he gave a full-on preach. Um, oh, I skipped one. Someone gave a North America report. Who was that at the conference there? Back up there. Then Jody preached. Then at the end of the week, they set in uh, 22 new couples on the team, on the NCMI team. And so I want to show you a little uh, movie clip. Uh, I shot the footage, but uh, Tyler edited it, put it together. Uh, at the end, there's, there's uh, Martin. He's a pastor in India. And he's going to give his testimony, but he's real difficult to understand. So he is speaking English of sorts. But here's what he said. He said he went to his first equip in 2000, 15 years ago, where he got saved. He wasn't a believer before that. He got saved. He went back. He resigned his job very successful businessman, resigned his job and started a church in their house with five people, him and his wife and his three kids. They saw lots of people got, get saved. They went to door-to-door evangelism. They saw people getting healed, and he just gave a, a, a testimony. They're now working with several hundred churches in India, uh, in the southern part of India. So here's that uh, video clip. <laughs> 